NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. The great cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a great cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the great cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel a gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. <laughs> And welcome back to the Grey Cricketer Podcast. My name is Ian Higgins. I'm joined by Sam Perry and Dave Edwards. We are back for the South Africa series. Just a little fives, six show stints during the final season, I suppose, if nothing else. Because just like uh, during our cricket careers, we have a deep-seated fear of change. And we do podcasts, so therefore we do podcasts now forever. So thank you, as <laughs> ever, for tuning in. Much to talk about. But first, Sam Perry, Dave Edwards, what have you boys been up to? Hi, Ian. Wonderful intro. Great to be back. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you'd like to be able to say, um, backed by popular demand. I'd probably call it semi-popular demand. Um, three or four messages in the inbox was enough to uh, rouse me to want to do the podcast. I don't know about you guys, but um, mm. uh, you know, anything for self-esteem these days. Uh, what's been going on here? Still in London, uh, braving uh, what you guys have no doubt um, heard about as the beast from the east, uh, weather phenomenon mm. what it really meant is snow mm. and it being cold that's fine mm. um in fact it's been a bit of a novelty really uh people here struggle with it a lot just mainly because everything shuts down but um it's been mm. it's been pretty fun been pretty fun everything everything else is going well uh i think i think there's better news um from dave than myself though david yeah boys well as you know uh, on the personal front i actually became a dad very recently, five weeks ago, um, after years life of... Life imitating art. Yeah, life imitating art. Years of cracking dad jokes. I'm now a dad myself, to a son, no less, which bodes terribly for both of us when he starts to develop an interest in cricket. Yeah, um, yeah but speaking of cricket... I was telling you guys before, he was actually born on a Saturday morning at, at RPA, <laughs> which is just on the Sydney University campus. And when we went upstairs after he was born to the postnatal ward, I opened up the blinds just to let a bit of sun in and, you know, breathe in the beautiful sandstone buildings of Sydney University. And right below the window was Sydney University number one oval and a fucking grade cricket mixture was going on. I just thought to myself, when does this fucking end? Like, even when I'm at the birth of my own son... Great cricket is there. It's everywhere. It's always following me. It's taunting me. Obviously, I kept one eye out the window to see how the game was progressing. Good deck, actually. Part of me wished I was out there. Who were they playing? <laughs> and then I realised, no, you're happy here. You want to be here. Getting on with your life. Those blokes aren't. And then I thought, I want to go around next season. 
<laughs> you scream, how's right, that? So from Dave the, uh... is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, D- Dave is now Dave. Well, on that note, I've definitely been driving around all grey cricket ovals with my car down, screaming out, how's that? around every suburban oval. I mean, I, I haven't been doing anything. It hasn't been that long since we last mm. convened, but I suppose um, the summer has finished here in Australia. The Big Bash competition is no longer. We have to wait another year for that to come around again. There's been some T20s that no one cared about because while that was happening, Australia were preparing for the first test. Now, we should preface that this podcast series is going to be coming out Monday morning Australian time for the next few weeks, mm. and so therefore that's going to be mid-test match for every every single game, but it is the best that we can do in this very, very bad situation. It's not a bad situation at all, but um, as we record, day three days of cricket have been completed and day four is underway as we are recording yeah. right now. So Australia are winning this test match, therefore mm. everything we say from here on out is going to be incorrect. So um, uh, South Africa win by 10 wickets. That was a surprise, boys. <laughs> That's right, especially after a 400-run lead uh, for Australia going mm. into that match and having uh, the best bowling attack in the world, you'd have to say. it was um, mm. uh, That innings from De Villiers was incredible. Mm. Um, it was great that Rabada could stay with him. No, but on a serious note, <laughs> um, I don't think people tune into this cast, to be fair, for uh, deep cricket mm. analysis. So what I want to ask is, why is no one at the ground? Why is no one, nobody yeah, there? Is... I mean, have you ever seen mm. a test match that could be such a blockbuster when you're talking about the mm. two alphas yeah. of world cricket mm. and have been the two alphas of world cricket for a long time, culturally, physically, mm. Um Playing in a more grade cricket atmosphere, there is there is literally it's scattered with parents and friends. Philanders bowling mm. with keepers up to the stumps. Um, yeah. There are ring fields. It's a slow wicket, uh, and you, you're just not sure. You're just sort of watching a really high quality fourth grade match. Is that right? Oh, with wonderful camera work. Yeah, multi camera angles. Mm. It's it's disappointing, but I guess maybe. Maybe South Africa has some bigger things to worry about. Maybe they're not as good at getting people through the gates as we are in, you know, the prosperous metropolitan cities of Sydney and Melbourne and so forth. It's just it's a funny time of year, though, isn't it? That's that's what this has come down to. Because because South Africa now won't come out here for um, the our summer because they're trying to do their own Boxing Day stuff and mm. they're trying to get the big gates. They've just had a massive series. First in the world, plays second in the world against India because South Africa is second in the world. Australia are now third. So so this is what is a big series. But now the Super Rugby season started, so the, the oh, attention good call. Here goes. The, yeah, good call. The wickets Super are rugby. a bit shit because mm. it's because it's February and now it's March, mm. so the wickets are always just a little bit dead this time of year. And um, I just don't think there's that much interest in Test cricket in South Africa anyway, so I don't think they they really care. But, I mean, and also, like, it starts on Thursday, Friday, people may be burned. They just see how the game's going by the weekend, and obviously South Africa weren't performing well in this Test match, so they thought, fuck it, let's go watch the Cheetahs play. (laughs) Can I ask, being over here in London, what's the interest levels like in Australia, because you know, when I look up, you know, invariably look up Australian sports websites, which mm. I shouldn't do because I'm an adventure on an adventure somewhere else in a bigger place. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm always going to be insular at the end of the day. Um, everything mm. seems to be about a- AFL mm. and NRL. Uh, is that the case at home? Is there interest in this series? I think there's interest. Uh, pairs, judging by the, the amount of news articles I'm seeing on social media and so forth. I mean, there is, a, and the time zone is good. It comes on and around. Uh, 7 p.m. here, so you get to watch pretty much. You, if you really want to stay up till 1:30 a.m., you can watch the whole thing. Not that we do, because work and stuff. But it, it is there for the taking in terms of ratings. Um, but, and you're right; it's the two alphas of cricket. Why isn't there more interest both here and, and abroad? Um, but yeah, you're right. AFL, NRL is coming up. AFLW's on. There's just so much fucking sport in Australia. I think that that's just the problem. Too much sport. 
<laughs> I think if there's if we're going to use the guide of like the amount of people who asked for this podcast to come back for the South yeah. Africa series, there seems to be a lot of interest in this series. And as, for as long as Australia are winning test matches, I think that interest will continue because we all we want to be is just the best, and we just want to reaffirm that we're the best, mm-hmm. the best, mm-hmm. the best. But then also just like when the rugby season comes around, rugby and AFL, it's the closest thing in Australia that we have to like Premier League coverage in the UK, where it's just there's so much more than just like who's winning and who's losing. It's like there's the off-field incidents. It's like it's a it's the business, you know, acumen mm. it takes to run a football club, and and all that just feeds into story. So it does take over the news cycle. But I still maintain that for as long as Mitch Marsh is bashing balls mm. down the ground and his rig is sparkling, mm. and and, sparkling. Uh, and you know Sayers isn't playing any Test matches, you know, I think there will be interest in this Test series. <laughs> You you have always maintained that. To be fair, mm. we were talking about that off air. <laughs> you guys have seen my tattoo. Um, I, I want to ask you guys. I think one of the most fascinating things was, uh, I mean, both our guests. I should have prefaced. Oh, we don't need to because people have already read the uh, the bio of this show. But Merv Hughes is on the show. That that's a pretty good get. And also our good friend Colo. Uh, Adam Collins is on the show as well. But um, both of those guys, as, as we have pre-recorded them, have noted about the, uh, the stump mics being turned way up for South African television. Yeah, uh, so this has kind of been the main news narrative coming out of the game. Not really that Marsh uh, you know, hit 96 at De Villiers, stroked an absolutely um, sumptuous 71 not out, that Mitchell Stark's taken five for mm-hmm. as it stands. Mm-hmm. Um, but that Australian players have uh, been promoting rival brands via the stump mic in a bid to get the stump mics turned down. Mm. And um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Like, because you, you are going to hear from Murph Hughes. He played in an era where people just swore at each other, you know, baldly, nakedly swore mm. at each other. And that was really mm. the uh, reputational issue at, in cricket at the time. We've always thought that that was what cricket was about. But no, it's apparently now about sponsorship wars. Uh, and I just think the players, <laughs> the players' um, awareness of that, like I mean, this is a corporate affairs masterclass. But but where are their heads at? I mean, why are they promoting brands? Well, not promoting them, or passively promoting them? I guess is the way you describe it. But you know, why why is Mitch Stark talking about Qantas just before he's about to take the new rock? Like, why is that the thing that's going through his head? It's not like, got to land four this year. Got to, you know, get this one up his chest. You know, I'm going to map out my over. No, I'm thinking about promoting Australia's national carrier. He's about to bowl for his country in a test yeah. match. The bo- no ball has been bowled yet. First morning of a test match. He yeah. never more fired up. A big series <laughs> away against South Africa. And he's, yeah, talking he's about trying to bump the share price yeah. up just after the AGM. Like, how fucking comfortable is Mitchell Smith yeah. trying to bump the share price? Yeah. And I want to ask you this, mm. um, because um, I mean, we've discussed in the past, that's a lie off air, but um, uh, you know, there, there seems to be we a lot of talk. people. There seems to be a lot of people. Video's off. That's the only reason people. I was one of those people who brought the cop podcast back. I just want to talk to you guys. Yeah. Um, there seems to be a lot of people in the dressing room who are trying to get themselves on TV. You know, like when mm. like Australia's batting, for instance, just to use Australia's example, and there's always like blokes in suits like sitting next to Warner mm. and stuff, and they're just like definitely just trying to get some airtime. Mm. But like, who are those blokes? But are these the guys who have said, you know, a way that we can, you know, win the war of the stump mics here? Yeah, just, just mention some rival sponsors. Is this finally, you know, blokes proving their worth who wear suits in the Australian cricket team dressing room? Well, yes. Yeah, suits there's no suits in cricket. Yes. Yeah, sorry, Pez. I mean, suits in cricket can get you all the way to the top on television alongside Dave Warner and Mitchell Stark. I mean, you wear that suit to training, it'll get you everywhere in life, the corporate world and the cricket world. Pez? 
I, I definitely think this is a new mm. frontier for sledging. I mean, this is kind of a similar cash for comment situation. Um, players are now mm. just being um, approached by sponsors just to simply sledge over the stump marks. But instead of it being sledging, it's really just promos mm. and it's advertisements. I mean, I think there's a <laughs> revenue stream in this. Mm. Um, Qantas are absolutely laughing, but there's no doubt they'll have marketing and comms people sitting down going, you know what, I mean, we could, we could get at least sort of 30 minutes of airtime to our South African audience here. <laughs> That's just grim, isn't it? That's grim that there are blokes <laughs> out there in fucking rooms discussing how we can further leverages. This is Blade Runner. Yes, Blade Runner. Right, okay, so I mean, I did preface, I did preface this whole conversation by saying everything that we talk about is going to be irrelevant as soon as we stop the record yep. button. But um, I, I, I just, I'll give you guys a comment and take this where you will. But like, okay. I think Australia are like right on the cusp of something. Pretty special here in terms of the like the, the actual team. So the team hasn't changed again. I know we're playing in very similar conditions to what Australia. And if if there's ever a tour that suits Australia, it is South Africa. But this is this is a good and storied South African mm. team. I think they're on a bit of a downward trajectory, which is a comment that I made to Colo coming up soon. But um, this team is good. I think it's mm. a really fucking good team, and I think we're seeing this in action right now because like South Africa just looks short for answers, don't they? I, I agree, he goes, um, to a point. I, I was a little disappointed with a lot of the analysis of the Ashes series where essentially the focus, and I guess it's a news thing, but the focus is on how uh, you know England might have mucked it up a little bit. Uh, I thought Australia probably mm. didn't get as much credit for how dominant they were, and I think it was on the back of um, mm. you know some major and bold changes they made the year before and new mm. people that they brought in, etc. I mean, the, the fast bowling attack is as good probably as it's been. Um a number of guys who we thought were ordinary with the batter really starting to st- step up and uh, and hold things together. So, you know, the reliance on Smith isn't as big as it used to be. Smith's still averaging 75. Uh, th- there's very few gaps in that side. The only thing is, though, with Test cricket, surely, uh, you know, the legacy, you know, for want of a better term, is just going to come down to winning an Ashes series away now and winning an India away. I mean, really, they're the two mm. series that you need to win for people to say, mm. yeah, respect. We respect mm. that. And the rest is kind of, you just expect them to win. So, Ed, I want to ask you this because like, Australia's just come off losing two one in India, where they sort of they sort of came from not came from nowhere, but I think I think everyone expected us to lose us being the Australian cricket team lose that series four mm. nil, and that it was one nil to Australia, then one all, and then India won in the fourth mm. Test match. So, that, like two ones, almost as good as it gets in India these days because that's a, that's a good Indian mm. team. They've now won the Ashes. That they seem to be performing pretty well in South Africa. Like how? close are Australia to recapturing the hearts and minds of the Australian public? Well, it's been a tumultuous 12 to 24 months, hasn't it, for the Australian cricket side? And it's going to even become more tumultuous with the broadcast rights coming up. No, I'm not going to get more academic on this. We fucking are good at cricket. (laughs) Now, give me a second here. He goes, I've got this. I've got this, mate. I've got it. Look, I honestly think that the Australian cricket team... the freestyle. <laughs> I was just rapping. I was just, I was just rapping. No, he goes. But look, we're a good, we're a good cricket team, and uh, uh, I think it's probably as good as it's been in a few years. I mean, if you can nitpick, you can say that Quaja played a played a bit of a yuck yeah. shot, and maybe he's a bit shit away from home. Um, you know, uh, maybe Cam Bancroft some question marks there, or they did hit, you know, fifty odd, which brings him back, and plus he's good around the group, etc. So, and he's and isn't Groot morale good when you got when you need to build a dynasty? You know, look back to the the Gilchrist Ponting years when we were almost invincible. And I loathe to use the word invincibles because mm. it's already been coined several times before with regards to Australian cricket teams. But could we be there again in a couple of years <laughs> if we stay together in this in this unit? Possibly, we might we might well get there. Yeah. 
Doesn't he? Uh, uh, he goes. I saw an interesting article um, the other day from mm. none other than Dean Jones. <clears throat> oh yeah. He this uh, this can't be right. This surely can't be right. But he claimed in the piece that that the first Ashes Test next year in England starts ten days after the World Cup final, which would pose a choice, a, a devilish choice, a wicked choice for Australian players as to which competition they prioritise. Mm. Um, what what would you take a World Cup or an Ashes series? Away Ashes series because I'm bored of winning World Cups. That's the most indulgent mm. thing anyone's ever said. No, but but isn't this the opportunity for players to do like the coveted double, which is, is something that I've you know only just made up just then? It's not a real thing. Mm. But you know to to, it's to not win a World Cup and then <laughs> it's not coveted. No one's ever coveted now. that. It doesn't exist. We've, we've <laughs> we're fucking starting it right here. The coveted great yeah. coveted double, not to be confused with the with yeah. the triple C, obviously the Century Circuit chop. But mm. um, but but you know to win a World Cup, not to be Cup, confused. No. <laughs> no. Don't get confused. That's where I thought you were going with it. I know you're out there walking your dogs yeah. right now, and you're getting confused. Don't get confused. Stay with me here. You can win yeah. a World Cup. A few, just like what six weeks later, you can also win an away Ashes series. I mean, like mm. uh, then you just quit cricket. Wouldn't you then just go in the IPL circuit? Surely that's what yeah. you're doing. Mm. Um, well, there's nothing I mean, else to achieve. No. Loathe am I to to go against Dean Jones, but I mean, if that is correct, which doesn't sound like it would be, but that that sounds wild. Um, Mm. <laughs> but what would I choose? A- away Ashes victory, I think. But that means mm. we'd have to lose to someone in the World Cup, and I, that would hurt me. And because I, I want it all, I'm an Australian cricket, I'm an Australian sports fan. Mm. I want it all. Yeah, you I want, want us all. to win the World Cup in Russia yeah. this year as well. I want it all, and I want it now. Well, this is wild, isn't it? <laughs> I just think the South African series is just it's 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 re- it's really funny. The South African series because there's so much history and like. Ang- uh, angry history between Australia mm. and South Africa. And I don't think it's there anymore. Mm. But you think of like the you know Steve Ward telling Herschel Gibbs he dropped the World Cup. There's like yep. the crown taunting between both parties. Like South Africa struggled here in the 90s and 2000s because they said our fans really gave it to him, and that's definitely true because I've seen it firsthand. And then vice versa. Uh, Mark Waugh once hit wicket um, yeah. when he was he basically won a Test match in Australia and he hit wicket and he was given not out. Um, there's like Hansi Cronje mm. ball tampering. Uh, he like stepped on the ball with his boot scratch the ball up I mean this is a really like storied mm. history I mean he goes it's all changed now like everyone's mm. just mates because they all play all over the world in all these uh, you know short form competitions and they spend a lot of time together and back in the day mm. you know we, we talk with Merv later he's going to go into the, the great rivalry sledging Andrew Hudson and you know really getting into these blokes Brian McMillan with a fucking AK-47 pointing at Alan Border at the tea break because gun <laughs> laws are a little bit different over there well you know what's it's not like that anymore, that kind of animosity, because everyone's yeah. mates. Never become mates with your opposition. And never forget Faf Duplessis. Yeah, I mean, I think mateship is probably the the, the worst element mm-hmm. of sport, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. I mean, mateship gets in the way of the fire and brimstone. We, we want fire, don't we? We want anger mm-hmm. and fire. Uh, I mean, that's, that's really going to wake this series we up. We want fire and fury, mm. you know, <laughs> Trump style. Mm. Speaking of fire and fury, although maybe not, I mean... The look at, if you look at the attack of the, the South Africans, it's, it's all got all the names there, but they're not quite as fiery and furious as they were. And, mm. You know, Philander, I love how his speed is always, or his lack of speed is constantly being brought up. Like everything mm. he does is caveated mm. by his lack of pace. And that's mm. just the way mm. that fast bowlers are perceived these days. It's kind of like mm. how a man with a small penis might make up for it in other ways. That's kind of what Philander <laughs> does with the ball. You know, he, he's a really generous lover. 
<laughs> mm. I, I blame Mornay Morkel, who, of course, is retiring at the end of this series, but he is married to Australian Roz Kelly, um, and she was doing some work for the Big Bash here. So she was, you know, basically... Um, I think I think I watched his press conference announcing his retirement. He was saying that you know his wife, a foreigner, um, was working during the Christmas period, and he's obviously playing cricket. So she's out here covering the Big Bash for ten weeks. Um, mm. So you know they're even like now that now that now these countries are marrying each other. It's not right. Yeah. It's not right. I tell you, I don't know what my point is. <laughs> Adam Collins is coming up. He's actually at the cricket, and then after that, Merv Hughes. I don't play cricket for results. I don't come to take wickets, score runs, or win games. I play cricket to look good. Rigs, chests, pipes, circuits, salads. This is my domain. So when I hit the sheds, I need to radiate success. That's why I use Chop King Cologne by TGC. With a blend of the finest handcrafted English Willow and Kookaburra Red King Leather, Chop King Cologne lets me radiate cricket. Whatever the ground, whatever the circuit. Chop King Cologne. The new fragrance for men by TGC. Reek of runs without hitting them. Boys, it's time we actually speak to someone who knows what's going on. He's at the Kingsmead ground, and of course, we were always going to turn to our best journalist friend out there in the grade cricket sphere, out there in the test cricket sphere. I'm talking, of course, about Adam Collins. Now, Adam Collins, let me go, let me run through who you're involved with at the moment, and this is just at the moment. We've got the Guardian, SEN commentary team. I want to talk to you about that. Wisdom Cricket Monthly, and of course, the Final Word podcast that you do with Jeff Lemon. You're at the Kingsmead ground. Colo, hello. Morning, Choppers. I'm just watching um, David Warner and, and, and Co. sitting in front of me taking slips, catching practice off off, uh, off Darren Lehman. What a great joy that would be for Darren Lehman. Been retired for, I don't know, mm. better part of 10 or 15 years now, and yet gets still, to have, get, still gets to do the, the most enjoyable part of uh, being a cricketer, which is giving slips practice before play. And he does it really well, so he hasn't lost a bit of his talent from what he played. He just glides every catch exactly where he wants it. It's great. I'd imagine. Oh, imagine getting paid to do that. That would just be an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Yeah, I remember growing up with my brother like that. We, we would take turns of being able to do that with each other. We'd get our dad to throw the balls, not in order to catch them, but to be involved in giving the slips catches. It was something, <laughs> something growing up about the slips corner when you're a junior. Yeah. I thought you were just going to say just to be involved with my dad, um, just throwing balls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking about my, I was thinking about my dad yesterday. Actually, come to think of it, in, in your, in, in, the, in the context of what you guys do, I saw Vernon Philander um, have this keeper come up to the stumps, and yeah, sure, he's got the better part of 200 Test wickets. Yeah, he's considered to be one of the most skillful bowlers in the world. But what does his dad think about him when he comes when he? When, when the keeper comes up to the stumps, that was, and I had that experience when I was allegedly a fast bowler back in the day. And from time to time, when I was running around wait, making my way through up the ranks, the the more accomplished wicket keepers would come up to me, and I always feared that, you know, in keeping with the theme of your podcast, that my dad thought lesser of me. I'm sure he did. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure. There's no doubt that he felt lesser. Yeah, of I'll just tell you that yeah. he did. Yeah, he, he did texted right. me before mm. and yeah. said that. <laughs> yeah. So, Colo, are we? Um, are we? Is Australia really good now? Four hundred ahead as we go to air. Uh, obviously, as people listen to this, anything uh, could happen. But um, yeah. I mean, t- t- tell us about your experiences of Kingsmead, Australia. Are they are they the best now? 
Yeah, they are. I'm sorry to report. Not sorry. Like It's not like I'm not patriotic, but isn't it more interesting when your team's kind of all right, mm. a little bit good, a bit plucky, a bit shit sometimes? Like This is a quality cricket team. Uh, mm. I think we've seen, especially with the ball, uh, they've got every claim to be the best bowling attack in the world. Indeed, of course they are. Like Who's, who's going better than um, Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood and Lyon at the moment? No one in each of their positions are the best in the world. So um, mm. to that end, I don't expect this will go to a fifth day. Um, the, the deck's fine. They could play on that for a couple more days. I don't think we've seen much um, many balls keep low or anything like that. It's certainly not going to break open for Nathan Lyon. Having said that, it seems to be tacky enough that both spinners have got the ball to turn prodigiously in the first innings and, and Maharaj yesterday as well. So if, you, if you're expecting to settle into a, a sort of an epic five-day contest, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be holding up much hope for that considering Australia has still got one wicket in hand and, and they're already over 400 ahead in the highest score chase here, which is the most ridiculous um, stat of all time, by the way. But anyway, he's 335. Um, of course, there was 654 made here in the final innings of a test match back in 1939, the famous timeless test where they played mm, on 13 separate days. Um, right. but, uh, but they had to leave They had to leave the country because World War II was about to break out. True story. Um, uh, absolutely true story. Excuses. I spent 20 minutes telling it on air yesterday and got cut off, which I thought was appropriate given we were talking about a timeless test. Um, but, yeah, but, but that was 79 years ago, so I don't think they're going to have a visual quite like that. Probably not, Colo, but just go back to the pitch, which you described as a bit of a kind of a low turner. It is a bit slow. Are all the wickets going to be like this? I mean, this is a showdown between Alphas. This is Australia versus yeah. South Africa. And I think we all want, you know, a wicket that's like ice, an outfield that's like carpet, just bounces and runs galore. Why are the wickets like this? Why is it? When I why think, are they like this? Yeah, yeah. when I think of watching cricket from South Africa growing up or even in recent times, I think of, like, how loud the stunt mics are, which has been a talking point um, during, the, <laughs> during, the, uh, during the test match, which was very amusing. The Australian side asked for the mics to be turned down. They're not always turned down in South Africa. Uh, and the broadcaster responded by not turning them down. So the Australians attempted a little bit of ambush marketing by, by yelling their sponsor names into the, into the mics on day two, which I thought was quite clever, um, running at odds with, with the sponsors of South African cricket. So that's one thing, how loud it is. I remember when the, the Sri Lankans came here some years ago, they got absolutely worked over by Sean Pollock and Mark Boucher, some of the most aggressive sledging you'll ever hear, and, and we got a you know, box seat view watching it on Foxtel. Uh, and, then, uh, and the second thing is how quick the wickets are. And that's as recent as the India series uh, last month where the third pitch was deemed to be uh, poor by the ICC due to how allegedly dangerous it was. I'd far rather that than, than sort of facsimiles of what we had in the Ashes series, those incredibly true decks that you could bat on for six, seven, eight, nine days without it having much signs of deterioration. So, uh, yeah, I think we, they missed the trick. And, and also, more to the point, if Australia has one weakness, it's been the moving ball, whether it's uh, in the subcontinent or when teams have had the ability to nip it around a little bit, look no further than the, than the 2015 Ashes series or, um, you know, other other examples, perhaps under lights in Adelaide, uh, the one time the England side managed to get it hooping in the Ashes series. Why wouldn't you mm. back your bowlers of the, of the you know, Rabada, Philander, um, Stain will play in the third and fourth test matches probably. Morkel can still, still has some tricks, although he's perhaps a little bit of a diminished bowler than what he was the last time we saw him. Uh, and Ngidi, who's out of the 11, but he bowls at 150, uh, and we saw what he could do against India. So I'm surprised they haven't uh, pressed home their, their natural advantage, if you like, in these conditions. And instead, uh, they've, they've you know, returned to what the Australians have been uh, used to in the, in the last couple of months, their most recent test cricket. So I think they missed the trick. 
Colin, can we talk about the um the South African side for for just a moment? And I reckon this is um there's there's a lot of guys who are you know so Hall of Fame South African players. I'm thinking, um you know Amla, De Villiers, uh, Duplessis, even uh, you know. But but these guys seem to be on a bit of a downward trajectory. But I think the main focus and the main question I want to talk about is Quinton de Kock, who you know came onto the scene mm. blistering one of the you know probably the the, the next Gilchrist he was the, the numbers he was posting, particularly in one day cricket, were phenomenal. And the last like two years, he's average is about minus six like what's what's yeah. happening with Quinton de Kock and, and then therefore that, that makes their tail look real long with him at seven uh and then Philander at eight he's not far from being dropped Klaassen the, the young bloke that played in some of the white mm. ball games against India um goes hard uh and, mm. you know, and that's what we that's what they want in a, in a keeper bat right the, the the prevailing um trait they want them is to be able to clear mm. the pickets and this guy Klaassen he looks really well. good though de Kock he does look good <laughs> he does. He's aesthetically pleasing. We saw a bloke in a nightclub pleasing. last night wearing it. We saw a bloke in a nightclub last night. We thought it was Quentin de Kock with a white t-shirt and a hat backwards. And we can, but then we quickly established his rig wasn't big enough, so it couldn't have been him. But um, and also, I really like the idea of a player being out on a Saturday night during a test match. <laughs> it reminds me when I was in the in the Swiss Alps and I swore that I saw Brett Kamali, but it was the middle of an NRL season, so it definitely wasn't him on a top deck tour. <laughs> The only, the only person I've ever seen, like, actually, no, I, I, I cut that out. I'm not going to tell that story. It's a shocking story. <laughs> uh, just, just continuing with the theme of people that may or may not be dropped, um, you know, based on factors other than their actual results. Um, Cam Bancroft hit 53 yesterday as we go to where, though, prior mm. to that, um, did look as though he had been struggling on both, you know, toward the tail end of the Ashes. Yeah. Well, for, for the large majority of the Ashes, as well as the first innings when there was a bit of a, um, a dismissal that um, looked bad. Um, he, he strikes me, Colo, as someone that they're going to be pretty keen to invest in. I mean, he seems to be, and, and again, I'm talking about kind of intangible factors, but he seems to be popular among the group. He seems to fit in, uh, inverted commas, and that might get him three or four, the three or four extra tests he needs to post the hundred that um, quietens people down. I mean, is that theory on the money or is he gone? He's an incredibly bright guy. I remember spending an hour with him on the phone a couple of years ago and being super impressed by the way he carries himself. Having said that, he can't keep referring to himself in the third person in press conferences. He's got this horrible habit of talking about being the best player Cameron Bancroft can be and things like that. So you'll have to watch out on that. He does perform well in the media. He does present well uh, when, when, when having to front the cameras as well. So I think that, um, as you say, he, someone who has that kind of pluck and confidence and um, stature within the group uh, can only help. Uh, you know, we, we talked earlier in the summer about the little intangibles like the size of his head. Now, that, that's obviously nonsense and silly in the Cameron Bancroft versus Johnny Bairstow episode. But what it did do was show that he has got this sort of very positive, sort of ridiculous kind of side to him, which which can only help in, in the sheds, I suppose, from a you know, cohesion perspective. He batted okay yesterday. I thought he um, looked quite good, especially square of the wicket. Uh, there's some technical flaws that people who know far more about this than I um, have observed, including Chris Rogers and Simon Kadic, who both obviously opened the batting for Australia for long intervals, and I'm, I'm sure that they'll get the chance to speak to him between test matches. There's something to do with his bat swing, which Kadic is himself has just mentioned quite a few times on radio as well. So uh, there might be something going on technically there, um, which could be ironed out between tests. But as far as, the, as you say, the... the, the the stuff that we don't really get much of a window into, uh, it looks like he's got uh, the sort of golden ticket in, in that mm. respect. Whereas I'm not sure whether Matthew Renshaw did. No. Uh, I, it's hard to know again, but I, I, it didn't feel as though Matthew Renshaw was the was the same sort of um, the same size of personality in the, in those rooms that Bancroft seems to be. 
So, Colin, just uh, just just finally, a word on Mitch Marsh. There's been some speculation that perhaps he will be a future Australian Test captain. He's, of course, captain of the Australian in the 19s. He's done in just about everything in his career, including uh, coming on this podcast uh, just a few short weeks <laughs> yeah. ago. But um, his 96 in the first innings uh, was pretty impressive, to be fair, and he has come a long way, hasn't he? He's um, faced more than 100 balls in every test match he's played since returning to the 11 in the previous uh, stand during his career. So since 2014, he'd only done that twice. And that was in one test match in 2014 in Abu Dhabi. So it gives you a, a sense of just how far his uh, application mm. at the crease is concerned. He's, again, he's another guy that's made a lot of technical changes with Scott Muleman, his coach in WA, which Dan Bredig's written about extensively. Incidentally, Dan Bredig was the last person into the press box this morning, so draw your own conclusions there. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 Stitch him up. He's a massive um, circuits, man. So, yeah, he's, he's a, he loves loves the circuit. Mm. Loves, loves the circuit. Absolutely um, massive. The, uh, now, Mitch, Mitch is, uh, Mitch is a... Uh, Again, charismatic guy. Obviously, they love him. Right? And I don't think that's overstating it. They absolutely love Mitch Marsh inside the change rooms. And they want him to succeed. Talking about future captains is quite interesting with Steve Smith being relatively young. He's 28 years mm. old. But the, the orthodoxy as an international captain isn't to do it for 10 years. Alan Border was the exception to the rule there. So, I mean, most England captains have gone four or five years. Most Australian captains, likewise. There is a world mm. where... Um, Steve Smith could play in this 11 post-captaincy. It's a lot of responsibility. Warner on our podcast during the week talked about the fact that he can get away with playing three formats and the IPL because he's not the full-time captain. Steve Smith, on the other hand, he describes it amusingly as playing six or seven formats, which he, what he's trying to get at is that when you're captaining and playing, it's like having um, you know double the responsibility. So whether Smith at some point joins the ranks again um, at some, you know, maybe four or five years' time. That would mean that someone like Mitchell Marsh would be about that captaincy age, as would David Warner, for that matter. Um, we've seen um, there's no reason why Warner couldn't captain after Smith on the basis that you'd expect he'll be the sort of guy who'll keep playing until he's sort of mid to late 30s. Uh, but I like that, you know, framing up the market nice and early on future captain. I think about 12 months ago, Peter Hanscom was the, had a lock on this, but now he's obviously not in the side, and, and who knows when he'll hmm. return. He's the spare bat on this tour. But it, it does provide the uh, incentive for the conversation to happen around the next captain. And, yeah, Simon Kadic is definitely, again, he, he's the one that raised this idea of Mitch being a prospective leader in the future. He led Australia to victory in the under-19s World Cup, which, you know, it's a long time ago, but I don't think that's for nothing considering uh, Australia have traditionally struggled in that tournament as well. Collie, you're a wealth of knowledge uh, and, mm. and explained very thoroughly. Thank you very much again for that quick download on what's happening in South Africa. You can listen to Collo on SEN Radio. He's on the Final Word podcast as well with Jeff Lemon. Um, uh, enjoy the rest of the, uh, the series, man. I'm sure we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, no worries. If you want to hear David Warner talk at great length about post-career stuff, i.e. Uh, his interest in going into politics, so you can you can download our podcast. So I hope that's not too crash giving a plug for the final hey, word. But that I'm is anyway. fucking <laughs> cheeky. Careful. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> Cheers, Colin. Thanks, Colin. Talk to you soon. Well, this next bit of the show is new, and um, we found it fairly amusing. I mean, it's obviously every great cricketer's dream. It's every cricketer's dream to now honestly be able to say that they're sponsored, and um, now mm. we can say that as well. So uh, this next 60 seconds could be anything. Bear with us. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I try and try and say this with as straight a face as possible, but mm. this is a company that we do like, and we all have associations with, and we do think that um, it's aligned very, very much with great cricket and very much with Australia. Budgie Smuggler. Some of you will be familiar with Budgie Smuggler. <laughs> try to do this. Let me try to do this. Some of you will be familiar with Budgie Smuggler, a uh, a fledgling Australian company 
run by a couple of blokes that started up in a backyard. Um, all the swimwear's made in Australia. Uh, did you know, he goes and Dave, and I want your views on budgie smugglers, how often mm. you wear them, etc. Mm. Um, did you know that when you watch David Warner and Steve Smith bat next, and I think as we go to where they will have batted for Australia, mm-hmm. it is more than likely, and I'm not speaking for them, sorry if you're listening as agents or whatnot, it is more than likely that they'll be mm. wearing custom-made budgie smugglers from Budgie Smuggler. Could be wrong, they might just wear it at training. Um, is it, did, did you wear smugglers when you were playing as well? You know a lot of sportsmen mm. or sports people like to wear smugglers? Uh, I haven't played sport in quite a while, and, and obviously the Budgie Smuggler brand has come about since my retirement, and kudos to them. But back then, I was just wearing the old black Speedos. and um, mm. I used to take them off before I went to the showers, though, but I think I could make an exception for some colourful Speedos in the showers. I think wearing the smuggler is a real alpha power play. And I know it's something that we speak about heavily. Like, you know, people ask us all the time, how do I, am I being alphaed? And how do I alpha someone else? Like, presenting yourself in a pair of colourful budgie smugglers is mm. one of the ways you can say, look, I am a little bit rare, but here I am. Here are my smugglers, and I'm alphaing the fuck out of you whilst looking you in the eye. I dare you not to look me in the eye. Stare me, stare, <laughs> stare at me on my colourful budgies. That's what, pe- that's what people will be thinking when you're wearing your, your budgie smugglers. Yeah, it's hard to have a conversation with someone when they're... When they're I mean, it's obviously great to have a conversation with someone budgie smugglers. Hello to budgie smugglers. But it is difficult to get your eyes away from those colourful speedos, isn't it? Mm. Isn't it? Like, yeah, that's right. Is, I, mean, I know a lot of... Is it, is it not? <laughs> I know a lot of the... I mean, I saw an Instagram post the other day from Matt Renshaw with he in the... Uh, he, he was in the showers, so... Yeah, the questions yep. about question marks there, but he was in the showers mm. with a, a Queensland teammate. Um, mm. He copped three or four thousand likes for that, and I'm pretty sure Jeez. the budgie smugglers were um, responsible for a lot of it. I know a lot of the athletes like wow. to um, go down the budgie smuggler path. Apparently, through budgie smuggler, you can get custom made smugglers. So you go with whatever design you want. It doesn't just have to be a kind of tried and true right. branding straight on it. Of course, it will be on it, but uh, it takes about four to five weeks to make with whatever design you want. If you're custom budgie smugglers, I mean. I'm raising this for the first time now, but mm. what would we have on ours if we had grade cricketer custom budgie smugglers? Just the, the Twitter handle? At grade cricketer? <laughs> <laughs> I would be going for Century Circuit Shop because I'd right. be wearing yeah, those. Okay. I'd be wearing those on the field and off the field for straight for the circuit. Um, reusable, easily, mm. impressing, impressing all sorts, teammates, women, whatever you want. I'd be wearing the, the club <laughs> badge of every grade cricket team I've ever played for. So 16. <laughs> It's kind of like some sort of... That's a play on Mark Waugh with a, um, a stick figure for every century that he made. Yours would be for every club. Mm. So if there's something of interest to you, budgiesmuggler.com.au. That's B-U-D-G-Y smuggler.com.au. We made it through. We grade cricketers work hard. Everything has to be hard at all times. Work hard. Circuit hard. Just be hard. Never smart. Always hard. It's always a pleasure to have this bloke on the show. We just spoke off air as though we were friends. Uh, We've only met a few times, but um, Mervyn Gregory Hughes has been one of the great supporters of the grade cricketer. The first bloke to come on our first podcast, and he's decided to come back for some reason or other uh, as we kick off this South Africa tour. Mervyn, hello. Oh, gentlemen, how are you? Boys, boys, keep it going. It's fantastic. 
<laughs> when we were thinking about the South Africa tour, Mervyn, and us coming back, you know, we had an image of you in our head. Uh, you know, you played your last series in South Africa. There's a couple of pretty famous images from that as well. And I know you're quite famous over um, over there as well. Uh, you know, tell us about how the Aussies are going um, in the tour here so far as we go to where and um, what you think we can expect for the rest. Oh, I think it might come down to the toss of the coin, to be quite serious, because they play on the, the traditional wickets where uh, they're not dropping pitches like we've got so used to in Australia now. So you, it doesn't matter if you win the toss here or not, the pitches don't break down over time. Now, in South Africa, Durban's like the old Sydney wicket. Uh, win the toss, get 300 on the board, very, very hard to beat. And we saw that Maharaj take a few years in in the uh, second innings, Australian second innings, they've been nine down, as we speak, 400 ahead. Uh, the difference between him and Nathan Lyon, he's got a couple of wickets. If he's got a couple of wickets, Nathan Lyon's going to take 18 wickets in our second innings. He's got a couple of wickets. <laughs> <laughs> um, Merv, you've obviously uh, toured there famously. I mean, back in, we're talking like 1994 specifically. And uh, I just want to ask you about like the players that you played against for South Africa. I, I sort of sense that these days that um, tensions between Australia and South Africa, you know, in the modern days is significantly less than perhaps what it once was. Um, can you tell us about some of the guys you play with? I'm thinking sort of like your, your Brian McMillans, your Pat Simcox, your Hansi Cronyers, Gary Kirsten, those, those sort of guys. They're all like Alan Donald, Andrew Hudson. Um, but they, they had a very good side. Keppel Bessel was playing there. And he was mm. um, very confronting too. He sort of learned his trade. Well, I didn't learn his trade, but learned his trade playing for Queensland, played for Australia. So he, he had a, a really tough edge about him. And certainly the South African side back then had a very tough edge about him. And it's no different now. Um, they've got a very good bowling line-up. Dale Stain, unfortunately, is out injured. Um, Mornay Moores was just to announce his retirement. He'll be looking to do big things in this tour. But they've still got that that real edge about them. And, and the Australians go over there. And we don't hold any fears going over there. They don't hold any fears coming over here because the, the countries are so similar. The conditions you play in are so similar. Um, so, in, in fact, I, I think Australia... Um, we'll play some very good cricket over there and some, some not-so-good wickets. Because, as you say, or as I say, it, it comes down to the toss of the coin. But uh, they've got a hard edge about them. They don't take a backward step off the, off the ground. They're, they're pretty good blokes, but on the ground, um, no quarter given, no quarter taken. I mean, Merv, that 1994 tour sounds pretty intense. I mean, obviously, you had uh, an incident of your own where you reacted to a fan um, on the walkthrough. Um, we'll go into that maybe a little bit later in the podcast. And also remember reading, I think, Dean Jones's account of um, a, a time when Brian McMillan took a pistol out and pointed it at Alan Border. A bit of banter there. Um, sounds <laughs> yeah, extreme. Just, just fun banter, isn't it? Just I mean, banter, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But the thing, thing people don't understand, the thing that I was really confronted with over there, they, they play like guns like they're, like they're playing with toys. Uh, yeah. And that's really confronting for us because as soon as a gun comes out, you know, everyone just sits back and thinks, wow. And in South Africa, mate, just about everyone carries a gun, so it's, it's no big deal for them. So, um, did you did you like have beers with those guys after the day's play? Like, obviously, it was pretty fierce on the field. Like, I, I'm, I think I'm right in saying that you got fined for sledging Gary Kirsten. Uh, obviously, Shane Warne sent off Daryl Cullen with one of the most vicious send offs ever seen in international cricket. But, like, well, Hudson. Right. Hudson. My yeah. apologies. Yeah, yeah of course. Well, Andrew Hudson, I think at that, I took mm. Gary Kirsten a bit. 
And then Warney got um, Hudson out and, and mm. gave him a, a little bit of spray. So we both got fined for that. Now, I got fined a, a little bit for calling Hudson a weak prick. And the reason I called him a weak, weak prick, <laughs> I think he was about 40 off about 60 overs. And I just said, <laughs> how about, how about yeah. playing a fucking shot? Let's get fair income. Um, I got fined for that. Now, he got out the next over. So whether I, I, I had anything to do with that, I'm claiming credit. But based in hindsight, let's get fair income. We got out the next over. I should get a rebate. I, they should just give me my money back for the whole time, I mean, in that context, Merv, uh, you know, you're, you're calling Andrew Hudson a weak prick or a fucking weak prick or whatnot, and, and now, you know, in 2018, we're getting stories about players sledging via brand recognition. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, what's is this post-capitalism? What, what, what's happened to Test cricket? It's Trump. Oh, mate, it's fantastic, isn't it? Um, so the boys always got to find something around. They, they want the speakers, they want to talk about it, they want the the microphones turned down between overs, and that's what South Africa cricket said, well, that's not what we do. So they're just going on past just naming all the, uh, all the op- or opposite, opposition brands to what their sponsors are. So at the end of the day, who's going to win that one? They're going to turn the microphones down, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, move, um, maybe we'll move on to our throwdown section uh, now. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're familiar with these. They're really stupid questions, and um, hopefully you find them funny. But um, oh, yeah. mark my word, you'll get some stupid answers. <laughs> <laughs> just a soft one that I um I was just hoping for a bit more information uh, about Merv. Um, where does your portrayal of Ivan Malat in the comedy movie Fat Pizza rank in your career highlights? Oh, number one, um, right up there. Uh, <laughs> Eric Banner's career took off when he did Chopper Reed. Um, I did Ivan Malad in fact feature. I'm still waiting for my film career to kick off, but I uh, haven't, haven't had any calls from it, so I'm pretty disappointed. <laughs> Merv, you travelled to South Africa, as you talked about, um, in 94. I think it was the first post-apartheid tour for you guys. Um, must have been some trepidation of the unknown, a genuine uncertainty of the landscape and what to expect. Um, how did Warney find a decent phone carrier so quickly? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like a duck to water, isn't it? Free <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wi-Fi as well, not easy. He's, uh, he's going to get yeah, third world country virtually South Africa, so uh, but he mate, he can sniff it out. He's, he's just sensational. Um, if, if there's a phone carrier worth being on, Warney's on there. <laughs> no, this, this, this could mean nothing to you, and Wikipedia could be wrong. But you're reportedly a big uh, Spurs fan. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about that? And uh, does Delhi Alley need to stop diving, or are the incentives to go to ground just too high? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, um, he's got to keep diving. Uh, my word, he's going to get three kicks and kick guys. He's got to keep diving. I know Walter died when the, the, the uh, free kicks are walled to the, the Tottenham Hotspurs, boys. Don't worry about that. They, those other sides, when they died, they should have shot. We <laughs> 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 African guns. Um, but, yeah, I, I went over on a, a years ago. Um, we were up at uh, Mates Place up at Lara, which is up near Geelong. And we are sitting there and we are watching the um, FA Cup final. And I, I reckon it was maybe Manchester City, or Manchester United, sorry, playing Tottenham Hotspur Spurs. Everyone in the room was Manchester United. One of my mates was a, a Tottenham Hotspurs fan, so I thought, I'm with him. Mm. Okay, I'm, I'm going with the minority, because that's what we do in Australia, isn't it? We, we find the minority and get them across the line. Um, so we did that, and they got up and had a win. And then when I went over, I went over to England on a scholarship and stayed, and I was in um, uh, just in Essex, and I was just on the outskirts of, of London, 
And the area that I lived in was a huge Tottenham area, so I just confirmed my thoughts that Tottenham Hotspur was a team to follow. Um, no, just trying to just trying to find this link um, back to South Africa, but um, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Who's actually filmed in South Africa? And you were on that show in 2015, and I just want to know why. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> um, I can go down the celebrity line saying I want to get myself out of my comfort zone. Um, mm. I want to do work from a charity, or I can mm. be honest with you guys and just say, mate, I got a shitload of cash out of it. <laughs> I thought you were going to just say, I just wanted to meet Andrew Datto. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Andrew Datto, actually. actually, Andrew Datto was fantastic. Uh, because of his TV back, background, he had the answers to everything, all concerned about something. And, and I was serious, though. He, he was a fantastic um, part of that. And, and he taught me a lot just about um, TV and how it works. And that's what he said when we got over here. Just remember... It's a TV show. It's not life and death. And there was a lot of people thinking they had to do stuff and they were being pressured into doing it and then um, maybe having a little bit of remorse about doing whatever they did because that made them look like idiots. And he just said, listen, it's a TV show. It's not life and death. When they're not, they're not going to let us starve to death. They're not, they're not going to let us freeze to death. They're just told to get blankets. We'll get food. So yeah. if you don't want to do anything... Don't do it. No, he, he was the reason. He was fantastic in that show. <laughs> Merv, you I, were... I hate, to, I hate to bait your illusions on him, but he was a fantastic player. <laughs> I say, you know, made a cheap gag and you've just given a wonderful endorsement of a guy who I now respect. <laughs> That's another question here, Merv. Um, yeah. you, you copped, I think it was a $4,000 suspended fine for that taunt from a fan uh, in Joburg, that, that famous moment that's constantly replayed on, on archive I, footages. <laughs> You got a fine, or a suspended fine, perhaps, um, is, is the correct way of phrasing it. No, no, was, wasn't a suspended fine, my friend. I got a suspended fine for calling Gary Kirsten a weak little prick, and I got a 4,000 fine for trying to belt the spectator. Well, now, what did what the bloke Well, what did he say? Would it, did, uh, can you confirm? Like, what does sloppy rig sound like in Afrikaans? <laughs> well, no, he was paid. Don't be like that. Um, uh, now what, what he said, I, I can't remember a lot about what he said, but um, he, he may have insinuated that my, my parents may not have been married when I was conceived. Gloria McMarshall and Jenny Craig got a, got a bit of a mention, um, as you alluded to, the, the, the wobbly rig. And um, he had a go with my sexuality, which was fucking way off the mark, I've got to tell you. Uh, so I jumped over the fence now. I'm, I'm six foot four, I've got a helmet on, I've got a cricket bat in my hand, I'm taking on Mike Tyson. I jumped over the fence and I've got something to say with here. And he sort of backed off, and his eyes were like, you're play. No, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> just like every other South African freak I've ever met, you was leaving his piss. And that was it. Oh, I thought that was pretty funny. And then found out two days later I got fined $4,000 for it, all of a sudden it wasn't that funny after all. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Thanks well, uh, just to t- take things back to think, uh, you know, to humour, um, Merv. Uh, early in the season, your son was involved in a controversial man catting ins- incident uh, in a Footscray Paran fixture uh, in third grade. Um, yeah. He affected a legal man cat to claim victory for Footscray. Now, as a father, can I just ask, has your pride ever soared as high as it did that day after oh. Tim's actions? <laughs> I've, I've never been so proud of a son. Like I said to him, I didn't say that, but he got a bit of ridicule about it. And I said, mate, if the bachelor's cheating by being out of his crease, you're running out. And he said, well, and we've, we've discussed this over the last 10 years, maybe 15 years, and he talks about that. And I said, listen, mate, if you're going to do it, you do it. 
You don't give them a warning because giving them a warning is like running in, bowling someone, little fat face, oh mate, understand that was a bad shot. Just have a warning. Continue to bat. If you're out in the crease, you deserve to get run out. And the, the Paran boys said no. I don't think they know who the dad was, but he's walking off. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic, mate. Um, we'll uh, we'll let you go there. Thanks for enduring all of that. Um, we uh, we took a real trip around the world: gun laws, brands, rigs, um, and uh, man catting, which is exactly the wheelhouse that we want to be in. Um, good good luck going over to South Africa as well, mate. Thanks for the insight. No worries at all, guys. Good luck. Keep up the good work. Really enjoying your stuff on social media. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Thanks mate. mate. Harry Broad, good morning. You've been reading the great cricketer. But most of the book has taken up with proving he isn't good enough. Locker room language is rife and sexual immaturity is rampant. Having sexual relations is called burgling a chop. Uh, I'm very disappointed. I, I, you know, I thought this should be a, a great book. Well, here we are yet again. It's been a few weeks off, but it's that time again. Hashtag AskTGC. And uh, we didn't actually send any social media around uh, asking for questions. So these, see, some of these questions are a few weeks old now, but um, thanks for those who have reminded us that you did send us the hashtag AskTGC. Uh, so please get them coming in for the end of the season. Maybe you've got some finals questions coming up as, uh, as club cricketers around the country play some finals cricket, others preparing for the football, rugby, AFL uh, circuit season, whatever you, whatever it is that you do during the winter months. Um, and also for people in the UK, I mean, the best thing for us is that we can never escape cricket because your season is just starting. You're doing winter nets mm. right now, which is the worst thing in the world. I mean, I thought August hands was the worst thing when it's like cold trying to catch a ball. The beast from the east is blown in and you're trying to catch a fucking cricket ball. Jesus Christ, that'll make your hands sting. Um, just before we get on to hashtag RCGC, tea and no sympathy is out in all bookstores around Australia and New Zealand. That's a real thing. We want you to buy the book. We're enjoying some of the feedback that you guys have been giving us because we had a great time writing that book. Um, and Pez, you being our London representative, um, have some news. Major news. Major news coming out of London through many uh, you know, detailed discussions with various suits, mm. but happy <laughs> to report to those who listen uh, over in the UK and uh, more broadly Europe, Russia, etc., um, <laughs> that Tea and No Sympathy will be available uh, in bookstores and uh, through Amazon on June 7, just to coincide mm. with the cricket season starting. Thursday, June 7, the book will be available. You will not have to pay extortionate fees to have it shipped over, uh, and that takes four to five weeks like an old Ashes tour. Um, <laughs> you can just go into a bookstore and get it, or get it on Amazon. Imagine uh, that. Tea No Sympathy. Imagine, imagine being able to have access to a book at some at any point of the world, mm. any part of the world. Can I also say, he goes, and this applies mm. to all three of us. We are available 
for emceeing gigs and events if you're starting a cricket season in the UK mm. and you want some great cricketer um, conversation, mm. if you're finishing your season uh, in Australia. If you're launching out. a company and you just want someone to come Look, and talk to some of your key stakeholders. That's right. Industry <laughs> events, um, the death of media, uh, the rise of OTT. Um, reach out, the great cricketer. Greatcricketer at gmail.com, is it? We've got many platforms you can get yeah. in touch with us. Still a Gmail, uh, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that website again, change.org. All right. Um, we are on RTGC. We've got a few questions here, boys. I'm going to read them out to you. I'm just going to do one at a time so you remember the question. Um, but if I can get your thoughts, Andy Watto has written in and he says, Gents, does chopping of a girlfriend or significant other count in regards to the rare and elusive beast that is the triple C? If so, allow me to elaborate. My theorising. A quick trip down to the sponsor for a palmer and a schooner or two would not constitute a circuit by any means. Whereas, I feel that arriving home as the birds are chirping, reeking of rum and durries, makes the prospect of said chop even more challenging, if not impossible. Please advise. P.S. This is a purely hypothetical exercise, as I've never scored a century Mm. in my life. P.S.S. P.P.S. I think you meant uh, hashtag AskTGC. Andy poses a very interesting question there. Um, Mm. Can the Triple C include the chopping of a significant other? Well, uh, in the first book, actually, sorry to promote our products relentlessly, but the great cricketer (laughs) ponders this very question. He scores a century in a losing side, should I add, and he wonders Mm. privately if, you know, a dinner date with Lara is... You know, followed by a night of relationship sex. Is that the triple C? Is that the circuit century chop? Um, and I don't think it is. No. I think it only counts if the girlfriend is out with you on the circuit. You can't mm-hmm. just go home to the girlfriend who hasn't participated in any other part of the triple C. And she just finally in the final C, I think she needs to be there for most of the Cs. Sam Perry. I would just have ne- I've just not ever been familiar with the term relationship sex. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you want some I, relationship sex? No, it's Barnaby Joyce term. I mm. got it. Well, <laughs> I will speak. Um, I will speak on behalf of the the single men out there, and as the only single member of this um, podcast, I, no, you can't have a you can't have a long term girlfriend and or wife, um, and then go home and then have sex with. No, it, it has to be like the the reason why the triple C is so elusive is that all of those things are almost impossible. Mm. Like, okay, the circuit's mm. the easiest one, although these days going on a team circuit is becoming inc- increasingly rare. But then to score 100 on the same day and then go out with yep. your teammates and then to meet, uh, uh, you know, a new lady friend or significant other as to your preferences and then convert all of those things in one day yep. makes the triple C so fantastic and elusive. The and holy trinity of amateur sport. Exactly, Dave. Uh, Greg Bowen says, Hi, TJC. I'm not normally one to double text, but as a South African anxiously waiting for the first edition of the podcast about the fisting we're receiving, I thought I'd give it another go. Um, Just to preface that, he did uh, write to us previously on social media and then said, um, uh, can I have some gloves? Um, But his question is, what cricketing feat would each of you trade in in for your TJC success? Personally, I'd give my left nut for a gritty 40-odd, 32, but my left nut doesn't produce books and make money, so I'd like your thoughts. P.S. Never heard back about those gloves. So Greg wants to know, what would we trade in? If TJC didn't exist, what would we trade in? Let me me 
reframe this question. And it's a question that I had a conversation with a, with an old teammate that I ran into a couple of weeks ago. And I would like to know if you guys, uh, you know, you're living in 2018, this very day, would you trade in everything that you guys did in your cricketing lives? So just think about the first time you ever played cricket. Would you trade in every single great moment, bad moment, person you met, good person you met, whatever, um, good days, bad days, would you trade all of that in for it to never have happened? Or would you, if you went back in time, would you go through the same thing again? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not really understanding the premise of this. Um, I don't know how to make commie out of it. Would I just, do I wish it hadn't happened? <laughs> like, um, like, do I Can wish you erase never... everything you ever did on a cricket field? Yes, the fucking hell I would do that. And my, my cricket stats while we're at it. What would you do? Like, so basically, has, is everything a regret? Do you regret the whole fucking thing? Yeah. I mean, I like that question. That, what, what about those like early to... formative like car trips out to Western Sydney with your dad? You know, when you hit thirty on, uh, felt amazing. Yeah. Do you, do you yeah. get rid of that as well? Like all treasured yeah. experiences. Yeah. Well, okay, you get you do. Well, I suppose, I suppose what I'm well, I suppose zero sum. Dave, is your son going to play cricket? <laughs> Not if he can fucking help it. <laughs> Adam O'Neill says, great cricketer, our skipper got championed at the toss today and lost it. We rolled the other team for 82 and their skipper got mm. a globe. Who wins the battle here? Hashtag RCGC. Mm. Oh, fuck me, championed. It's just <laughs> everywhere, isn't it? I had a really good conversation with my barista the other day. I hadn't seen him oh, yeah. Since last year, you know, he talked about his young kids that are playing cricket mm. and all that stuff. And then as we said mm. goodbye, he championed me and I just went back to my desk in shame. Just getting <laughs> championed is the fucking worse. Yep. It ruins your day. Yep. It just ruins your day. Mm. Pez? Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess this question makes me think, um, <laughs> where are we at in the campaign to kind of end the, like, unironic champions, the unironic champing of people. How, like, mm. ha have we only made a dint uh, in this, like, a drop in the ocean? Like, and how big is that ocean? It feels like it's a pretty big ocean. Well, I mean, just and, uh, like Vernon Philander's allegedly three-inch penis, we haven't even touched the sides. <laughs> and that website, again, is change.org. Alex Shaw says, and this, uh, this tweet accompanied, was accompanied with a photo, and said, on the bus to training, Grim, listening to the Great Cricketer podcast, literally detailing the pitfalls of wearing a singlet without pipes, and as per photographic evidence, I'm in trouble. Caught at short leg for one last round. What does this mean for me? So Alex uh, uh, is in a singlet on the bus to training. Yeah. He has no pipes, yep. and he got caught at short yep. leg last round. What's the, what, why is he still playing? Uh, Alex, I, uh, I'm turning 33 this year, mm. and... Um, what the, the picture you just painted um, took me straight back because I used to get buses. I've never had pipes, and I tried to wear singlets, and like my head just dropped to my hands as he goes was reading that. Like it, it literally, it just deflated me to think about it. I remember the bus. I remember the smell of the the, the seats, um, the smell of my cricket kit, looking at my white arms that were thin and remained thin. I can't put anything on them. And um and I I would regularly get caught at short leg because I played across my front pad trying to cover off stump too much and and mate what does it mean for you I don't like I mean look at me mate what am I doing I don't know what I'm doing wait I don't, this I don't podcast know. is good. just therapy for us just revealing yeah. the most darkest darkest things 
It doesn't. It's not good, mate. It's, All right, last one. Good. Last one for the first week back of the podcast. Just a reminder: if you are going to give us a question, please use the hashtag #AskTGC. It makes it so much easier um, to find them on social media when we are fishing these out. Come agenda making time. Ben Chiarella says, "Dear TGC, I'm a 37 year old village at best cricketer with a sloppy rig and terrible salad that wasn't cool in 1996 and certainly hasn't improved with time. Over the Christmas period, mm. I had an epiphany." and have officially retired mid-season on a very mediocre mediocre career, although I probably wasn't going to be selected again given my first half of the season, my cricket stats, mind you. My question is, any advice for a fast-approaching middle-aged man who is currently going cold turkey on the terrible game we all call cricket? And how do I stop myself doing the John Farnham next season by coming out of retirement for just one last tour? Yours kindly, Ben, using the hashtag AskTGC. So how does he overcome going cold turkey on ice or cricket? <laughs> uh, I don't know about cold turkey. Is that the best way to get out of cricket? Like you just, As you said, you're just asking for a relapse. You know, It's mm-hmm. like... Quitting cigarettes, cold turkey's hard, mm. so you use Nicorette, you know, weaning off heroin. Mm. Take small little doses over a space of a couple of days to get <laughs> off it. That kind of thing. So maybe you can phase out your cricket the same way. Mm. Maybe just to make sure mm. you really do quit. Like, go and watch yeah. some fucking grim Shires matches. Have a shit net with some non-cricket mates just to remember how shit it is. But don't absolutely mm. delete it from your life cold turkey style because you'll just come back next season. Sam Perry. Yeah, and I'd be really keen to understand the epiphany that he had and what that was about. I mean, like, mm. if he understands the real reason, clearly he's outlined his reasons. He's like, my hair is bad. I'm bad at cricket. I have no rig. I'm 37. Um, it, it really statistics focus. Like, he's, the reason he's not playing is connected to generally offering nothing to mm. the game that yep. is impressive. Yeah. Um, I'd like to know th- about the actual epiphany itself, though. Was it an acid trip, for example? Did he did he obtain <laughs> crystal clarity, uh, you know, yeah. for yeah. for a period? And what did that clarity look like? You know, Too much brandy in the Christmas cake. Shortcomings. See, Dave, to offer a, to offer a contrary opinion to yours, Dave, I think that if you like see a bad cricket game, you see it and you go, "Oh, I would have fucking dominated this bowling attack." But you sort of forget that cricket never changes, that your mm. your greatness never changes. The level that you once competed at doesn't get any better. In fact, it gets slightly worse. Mm. You will always have bad days. You will always play bad shots. You will mm. always regret playing the shot that you got out on. And you will think about those times in the shower for the rest of your life. Mm. Nothing will ever change. Never, I think cold turkey is the only way to go with cricket. Fill up your days with happiness, with friends, with family, with things that will <laughs> fill your days. Do not play cricket mm. ever again. And that's the Great Cricketer Podcast. See you next week.